Hi everyone, this is the podcast of the Baldi Center for Law and Social Policy, produced at the University at Buffalo. I am your host and producer, Azalia Mohransyah. This episode, I have Iris Braverman on the phone with me. Iris is a law professor at UB, and she's one of the organizing committee members of Medical Posthumanities, Governing Health Beyond the Human, which is awarded the Baldi Center 2020-2021 conference grants. So, can you tell us what One Health is and what you aim to achieve from this upcoming online workshop? The essence of it is that uh, when thinking about health, one cannot just focus on humans, number one, nor on individuals, uh, individual organisms, number two. That when thinking about health, one must take a more holistic approach. Now, what that holistic approach includes, that really depends on the speaker. Some people focus on the relationship between human and non-human animals, uh, meaning basically focusing on animal-human interactions. And that's kind of been traditionally the disposition of the one medicine slash one health approach. However, since the 1990s in particular, conservation has really, and ecology have really infiltrated much more strongly into this discourse. And that meant also including the environment in which these organisms live, understanding that one cannot pull organisms out of context, that in fact, organisms are uh, living within this context, if it's the microbiome, if it's the broader ecosystem, and that to understand health, one must take into consideration those three aspects, animal, human animal, because humans are animals, right? So I'm just going to say humans and animals from now on, okay, with all of us understanding that that humans are animals too. So human, animal, and uh, environment. And looking at every situation from that kind of triadic perspective. So it's not enough to look at COVID from the pathogenic epidemiological perspective, from the perspective of, oh, how does the virus move from body to body, but also in the broader context of ecosystem collapses, of environmental degradation, etc. So this way of thinking about the world makes connections between crises that sometimes seem to be separate from each other, such as climate change and COVID-19. And so that's kind of why it has been very appealing to me. I think that the devil is in the details. How exactly to make that connection is the question, right? And then another question, this is what I think the humanities and the social scientists can contribute, is we understand that we're talking about health in these multiple levels, but how can we also think about social justice and the underlying social injustices that have manifested in these various, let's call them diseases, of the planet, of different organisms, etc. So what I wanted to add, and, and a few of us would like to add to this picture, is that this is not just a kind of uh, scientific uh, natural science discussion between ecologists and virologists. This should be a discussion that also uh, takes into consideration social and cultural uh, understandings and also legal norms. Because law is also very much embedded and embodied in these various situations that call for 
for a deeper understanding. How do you see this holistic approach influences the law and social justice issues? Us legal geographers like to say it's it's not only that the approach will affect the law, but also that the law will create this approach in a way. I mean, law creates uh, and impacts a lot of these discussions in ways of understanding the world because the legal provides a tool for a lot of us embedded in our own Uh, framing of the world around us through these kind of uh, legal classifications and norms, uh, whether something is an endangered species or not, is a kind of legal scientific discussion that emerges in the interface between law and science, sometimes with clashes, uh, sometimes, you know, with, with commonalities between different, these modes of thinking, these legal and scientific ways of knowing the world. So already, Uh, declaring, say, an animal as being on the list of what you're allowed to move in between countries and what you're not allowed to move in between countries is very much creates some of these situations, right? Um, I guess I will say even this differentiation between uh, silos of, of knowledge such as between the animal people and the human people is, is very much something that is uh, uh, reinforced by legal categories, by legal ways of thinking. While I was doing some uh, ethnographic observations in an animal hospital, I, I fainted during the surgery and I, I fell on my face and I was bleeding all over the place, but the vet did not approach me. I had to wait as a human. I was, basically, I was explained that it was illegal for her to even approach me or take care of me. She cares for animals and I had to have the human physician come for me. And all that is something that already is embedded in our ways of thinking, right? In liability laws, in insurance laws, in all these ways that we have come to think, oh, okay, we take it almost for granted that there is a division that you can't just bring a cow and park it out on your street in Buffalo. And so those things that seem maybe perhaps taken for granted to us, these separations are actually very much legal separations. They are created, enforced, and sanctioned by law. They are expressions of, of particular ways of seeing the world, right? But they um, are sometimes reinforced in ways that then give them a life uh, of their own, even when reality has moved in different directions. So reality being, okay, we need to now create tools that allow us to talk about the world in a more holistic way, whereas our language and our laws are very much fragmented in this way. And so how do we even rethink our modes of speaking and our modes of regulating our, our actions. And so I think in this way, when you're asking these quite broader questions about systems of governance, systems of laws, then it does bring up a lot of really interesting, you know, deep questions about how we'd like our future to be. Could we create a language and a, a mode of governance that does not include some of the um, anthropocentric, so human-centric, some of the species-centric, and, and also racist and colonialist you know, background that uh, many of our current legal systems are already very much embedded in. So to move away to a more just 
way of living on our planet that will include not just human justice but also but justice for for all moving forward as you mentioned one health's approach will eventually affect law and vice versa how do you see the possibility of it expanding outside of the developed countries especially considering the variety of legal systems in the world i don't want this to be yet another elitist um white imposition uh from developed to developing countries and i don't want it to seem like that and, and maybe that's also touching the heart of of your question right we want this to be different so so we had this movement within the environmental movement how initially it was really perceived as a white imposition of privileged people who already took advantage of their resources and now want to limit uh the developing countries while they take and the same uh was said about the climate change movement now now you're you're all good you're all developed and now you're coming and telling us how we should not develop because you you want to uh to save yourselves and then came the environmental justice movement as a as a response but so again i don't want us to create even more bifurcations even more fragmentations here we want to still take the entire picture into account which means taking into account colonial backgrounds racial backgrounds ethnic backgrounds you know all these uh, and understanding a complexity of the situation so one of the issues i think that's going to come up hopefully in the conference that the baldi center has very generously uh, funding hopefully in april to bring these various experts together this time not just the traditional one health experts who are again uh you know the scientists working on these various dimensions if it's the vets if it's the ecologists if if it's the the human physician but actually bringing also the humanities and the social scientists and the and the legal scholars into the room to say here look you've been blind to these aspects you can't just say close wet markets and be be done with it no no this is not the way we should approach this there are underlying conditions that have created this wet market maybe there's injustice there that needs to be taken care of maybe in the relationship between human animal we are imposing our own views of how this ought to be done and 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 maybe that's not you know say separation of spaces between human and animal spaces some of this might not be valid for some communities and and we have to take that into a camp right now i'm just kind of contemplating aloud because i don't really know yet it's this is exactly why we're having the workshop and i don't know that there has been um uh, much by way of a conversation of how one health can actually be expanded to take the colonial the racial the all these complex historical and social backgrounds of the situations of the and of course the capitalist how could i <laughs> neglect that okay, the neoliberal aspects you know the, the the critique of capitalism take all these into account um while thinking about one health and i will say that when i brought these things up in my conversations with some of these vets they kind of cringed because they didn't want to touch what they say is a political thing they want this to be accepted across the board so they cringe but that's exactly why what we're going to be really good with right so these things will have to be made explicit you can't you can't ignore them because there are some of the underlying causes 
of these situations and conditions. And if we want to take care and move things forward in terms of One Health, those things need to be spoken explicitly and, and dealt with explicitly. And this is, I think, what we need to force the existing One Health community to, to do, to, uh, to surface uh, these underlying injustices, to be able to discuss them in um, in a in a in a more fluid and interrelated way to understand the interconnection, not just between uh, the physical science side, but also to bring uh, the social science side into the picture. What do you want to say to people who are interested in joining this workshop? Maybe I'll just say that to anybody who has interest in the climate, in human health, in animal health, and anything in between is uh, warmly invited to uh, to this session uh, that's going to probably be done remotely. So it would actually allow us to have a larger audience. And uh, so I look forward to, to, ha- to kind of getting input from a variety of uh, disciplines, departments, you know, ways of thinking. And I'm sure that each one of those can contribute to moving forward. Each one of them is relevant. Once again, congratulations. And I look forward to joining the workshop virtually in April 2021. Thank you. That was Iris Braverman, and this has been the Baldi Center for Law and Social Policy podcast, produced at the University at Buffalo. Please visit our website, buffalo.edu slash baldicenter, for more episodes and more info about medical post-humanities governing health beyond the human online workshop that will be held on April 14th to 16th, 2021. Also, Follow our social media on Facebook and Twitter at Baldi Center. Until next time, I am your host and producer, Azalia Mohrancha.